sister's sport of kings Better than diamond rings That's why we're here to sing Football Sunday in the snow Referees whistle blows Weekend warriors toe to toe Football 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 People, welcome to week three of the NFL. You are locked into the sounds of Britain's favourite new NFL podcast, North London 40. My name is James Hamlin. My name is Inyo Benega. Welcome. Welcome aboard, all you new listeners. And thanks for checking us out, all you regular listeners. Welcome back. We're about to dissect week three of the NFL. An absolutely bananas week of American football. Bananas is probably the best way to describe it. I would just say another twist and turn on the roller coaster of fun that is the NFL. We keep saying this. We said this at the start of the season that this sport is unpredictable. This sport has surprises, it has upsets, it has crazy incidents. It's getting better as the weeks go on. We thought last week was amazing, and it was. This week was even better. We're going to break down all the incidents from week three. All the things you need to know, we're going to go into some detail around that. Some incredible finishes, especially in the early games. We're going to talk about that. We've also got a guest coming up later on the pod, Adam Goldstein. He of Tailgate to Heaven fame. This guy has just released a book cataloguing his story of his trip across the States when he went to 40 NFL games, covered 65,000 miles, sold his flat, left his missus at home, went and had the full NFL experience. He's on the pod later, breaking it all down. He he possibly could be one of our heroes. I think he could be. If we have a Hall of Fame, we should really induct him first. We should. We should. Britain's biggest NFL fan. He's been out there and done it, and he's written a book about it. So he's going to be on the pod later on. That's Adam Goldstein, so stick around for that. But just to kick things off, really sad news this week. I think we want to dedicate this week's pods to the memory and the passing of a G.O.D. in this game. A giant in the mental fundamental with his dad ed in creating the organization we know today as nfl films he passed away this week his name was and is steve sable without steve sable's work we really wouldn't be able to enjoy the sport that we love in such a way he was so fundamental in in growing the visual element of this sport especially it's unbelievable to think that television on sports has been going on for 50 years Somehow the NFL and the NFL Network and Steve Sable and Ed Sable's work just continues to astound. He was an innovator, winning numerous Emmys in cinematography, producing, editing, hands-on. He was the CEO of the NFL Films, but also one of the few people to ever worked every single job. The innovations that they came up with are, are astounding. Simple things such as miking the players during the game, super slow-mo. It turned a sport into into something much bigger than than any sport can. We talk about the relationship that English fans have with their football teams, whether it be geographical or familial or all this sort of stuff. But one of the reasons for the big success of the NFL, especially internationally, has to be because of NFL films. We would not be fans of the sport if we weren't captivated by the short bits of footage that we saw often soundtracked by Sam Spence and the amazing custom-made orchestral music for it. This is not just some simple dubstep song that they tack on at the end of Football Focus. This 
it made it majestic. It turned the sport. English people look at NFL and go, oh, they're wearing padding. Oh, it's not as hard as rugby, blah, blah, blah. Yes, NFL is a barbaric sport, but somehow through Steve Sable and the NFL film's eyes, it humanized these big, brutish players, and he'll be sadly missed. Very poignantly put, and as a British kid growing up in the 80s, NFL films were the only access to this content we had. And all of you guys out there in your mid-30s and above, you know who you are, will remember these VHS videotapes that we had. The Chicago Bears video, NFL's best ever runners, Gift of Grab, NFL's best quarterbacks, and that series. That was the only access to this content that we had on these VHS tapes. It was all NFL films, and Inyo makes the point beautifully that Without this, we wouldn't be into this sport. The way it was presented, the music was incredible. The whole package, the whole vision from Steve Sable and his dad was just on another level. Went on to define the terms for NFL Network and go out and see the evidence yourself. It's on YouTube. It's on NFL Films. It's all there. One of sport, one of entertainment's best ever storytellers. And the people that have come out this week with tributes... It just speaks volumes. You know, the biggest dogs in the game have really, really been affected by Steve's loss and the troubles he's had recently through illness. So we want to dedicate this pod to him and his memory. Please go out and research his work. If you get a chance to see any of these old VHS videotapes, they're all on eBay. Go check them out. They're all on YouTube. Unbelievable content. We wouldn't be where we are today without this and... We just want to send this one out to you. Moving on, we were out this week. For the first time, we've been out together in a nightclub slash entertainment establishment forum since we met at a Santo Go concert in the spring and decided to come up with North London 40. We were out at the Cable at London Bridge for AK Frank's London debut. Our pals at Southern Hospitality put that on. That's pretty good, wasn't it? It was really, really good. Really good fun. I saw you uh, dance your way to Mercy. That was pretty good as well. So Mercy got dropped after AK Frank performed. I've gone on record. It's my favourite song on the pod. I didn't know Inye knew every single word to <laughs> every verse of Mercy. That was impressive. Oh, Come on. Come on. <laughs> give us a rendition now. I'll give you a beat. No, let's, let's maybe not. Otherwise, Kanye would probably sue us. True. Um, yeah, I can't help it. It's a good song. But uh, it was really, really good fun. And uh, we managed to see a girl in a Curtis Martin throwback jersey. We did. And we've spoke about this before. The randomness of throwback jerseys in the UK. Now, Curtis Martin, admittedly, far from random. Hall of Fame player. Big time New York Jet. But, no, but a lot of people in the UK don't really get this. Mm-hmm. Right? So... What, we want, what we're calling for people out there is when you see people in throwback American football jerseys, tweet them in at NLDN40, northlondon40 at gmail.com. Email them in. We want to put them on the Tumblr. Yep. We want to expose some of those amazing throwback jerseys mm. that you see in the corners of this country. We want to see those Kelly Holcombs in the Browns. We want to see those Danny Canals from the Giants. Mm. We want to see this. So send these in. We want to put them on our Tumblr. We want to try to build up a database of random 
NFL throwback, unintentionally ironic jerseys, yeah. criminals of yesteryear. People we that see- got them given as gifts and they don't necessarily realise the implications of wearing it. Exactly. Missing name, missing number. We want to see all that. Send those in. We'll like, build up a little database of those. But um, that Curtis Martin one was a good one for absolute sure. Week three. What a week of NFL action. Let's start with the early games from Sunday. Three of these games went to overtime. Unbelievable. Trust us, people. You're getting value for money here. Let's start with the first one. This was an absolutely phenomenal game. If you like shootouts, tons of points, this was the game for you. The Detroit Lions, 41. The Tennessee Titans, 44. Lions, big favourites coming into this one. Tennessee with Jake Locker at the helm. Not looking great. The Titans had a 20-9 half-time lead. Detroit scored 18 straight points. Then Tennessee came back with 21 points. And then Detroit scored the final 14 points in regulation. Off an onside kick with 18 seconds to go, Sean Hill, who was in for an injured Matt Stafford, hurled it up in the air. Titus Young scored a touchdown with no time left. It was potty. It was a big game for, for the special teams. The Titans had two incredible special teams plays as well. They had 105-yard kickoff returned for a TD. Shout out to anybody that had Tennessee D in fantasy. <laughs> Inspired decision. I don't know why you'd have them going up against Matthew Stafford and, and Megatron, but you got a lot of points there. And, of course, we had the Music City Miracle remix, which was up there with the Green Bay Packers field goal, fake field goal, as one of the best players of the season. And, and really, this game had it all. Honestly, I thought we were really heading for... Just a complete upset. I thought the Titans were easily going to storm through and just Stafford was just going to have one of those bad games. But they pulled it out and congratulations to the Titans. So Stafford went off injured. Sean Hill came on through two TDs. Went to overtime. New overtime rules. We'll remind you what those are again in case you're not up to speed. It is slightly confusing. Both teams have an opportunity to drive down the field. Tennessee drove down the field, scored a field goal. The Lions, with a backup quarterback at the helm, drove down the field, got down to the 10-yard line of Tennessee, got to fourth down, didn't kick a field goal, didn't make a first down. Jim Schwartz has since come out and said we w- there was a miscommunication. We were trying to draw the Titans off sides. It was a terrible call. I think he's whiffing on that one. I think Cost him the game. I've, I've heard that when, when a head coach says miscommunication, that's usually code for him secretly trying to blame it on one player. So really we have to blame the Detroit Lions center for his complete foible there. And it, it cost them the game, as you said. It, 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 you know, this is the NFL. This is not Bush League anymore. People cannot be making mistakes like this, especially in overtime. They can't. Second overtime game. Hard Knocks finest, Miami Dolphins. Versus Mark Sanchez and his New York Jets. New York Jets 23, Miami Dolphins 20. This went to OT. Not a great game. Reggie Bush started the game extremely well. Went out injured. Never returned for the Finns. Out for four weeks, which stinks for them. Ugly game. 
two not so great teams, two not so great offenses. Dan Carpenter was the criminal. Wide left and a 48-yard field goal that would have given the Finns the victory. It was awful. But another win for Mark Sanchez. See, you say another win for Mark Sanchez, even though he was passing rating was 32.1 at the half. and It was in the Brandon Whedon zone, I'll admit that. <laughs> yep. We also have to think back to our earlier pods and how I constantly said that we see Tebow start playing week three. And we were very close to watching Tebow start for week three. But instead, the the Jets are really running out of ideas on offense, I have to say. When you are throwing the ball to Tim Tebow so that he can catch and run, not using him as uh, as a decoy, you really are losing ideas on offense. And to be honest, the Jets were incredibly lucky to win this game, especially with Joe Philbin continuing to doing the really stupid idea of trying to ice the kicker and in doing so overturned a punt block that his team sorry a uh, field goal block that his team had if anybody out there doesn't know what icing the kicker is so the kicker is lined up to kick a field goal and it's a methodology in recent years for a team to call a timeout just before a kicker is about to make the kick it's called icing the kicker give him a little bit more time to think about it they'll maybe try and get in his ear over the years, there's been a few boo-boos around this. Joe Philbin iced the kicker on this for a kick that was blocked. Q Rick's rhyme with a big S-H-I-T <laughs> eating grin on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Eat, eating being the operative word. <laughs> yeah. They got to take the kick again. Nick Falk, he slammed it through. The Jets got the W. Third overtime game of the week. Over to the New Orleans Superdome. Our third overtime game of the week. New Orleans Saints, 24. Kansas City Chiefs, 27. Kansas City scored 14 unanswered points in the fourth quarter and overtime to win this one. The Saints are now 0-3. Terrible. Really, Roger Goodell, when when the Super Bowl makes it to New Orleans in February, he is going to be one hated man. I will say that now. But this was this was a game that shows the the importance of putting away games and not falling asleep and letting the other team come back to it because New Orleans were what twenty four six at the half, really really coasting on this game and the next thing you know Jamal Charles stepped into that telephone booth and decided to become Superman and just what what an amazing career game for him and. And, you know, we like a comeback story. We like a real good feel-good story here on North London 40. And Jamal Charles was somebody who missed all of last season, I know. 233 yards on the ground, 55 yards receiving. Seek out the touchdown run from Jamal Charles from 91 yards. When he puts on the afterburners about 60 yards out and runs past the safety, it's a joy to watch. Congratulations to you. The Kansas City Chiefs are off the hoof. They are 1-2. and two, But the New Orleans Saints... In a world of trouble. Just like to add that only three teams have made the playoffs since start, uh, starting 0 and 3 since the 1990. In other amazing incidents in the early games, no one saw this coming. The San Francisco 49ers 13, the Minnesota Vikings 24. Christian Ponder. He looked like Franz Harkinson in this. <laughs> He did fourth down, down by the goal line. He did a really nice play. 
threw a touchdown to Rudolph in the corner. He took one out from 19 yards out on his own, really laid it out on the goal line. Excellent performance from Christian Ponder, 198 yards in the air, two touchdowns. Alex Smith threw his first interception in forever. Wow. The Vikes beat the Niners. Well, it goes to show that the Niners are human. Every team can have a bad day, and I think they had a bad one there. I think they did, and no one was expecting the Vikes to win anything. AP's back. Not quite at AP level, but he's producing. Percy Harvin, again, no migraine troubles. He's turning into a real fantasy stud, real option this season. He's playing really well. Tough D from the Vikes as well, so real shocker. So that's San Francisco, down to 2-1. and one. In the other early games, RG3 and his Washington Redskins came back to a bit of a bump. At home, lost 31-38 to Andy Dalton and his Cincinnati Bengals. Bit of a reality check for RG3. This is where you will find out if he is a great quarterback. And I know it's early to call someone that's only three games into their rookie career if they're a great quarterback, but you really know if, if a quarterback's going to be good by the way that they bounce back. RG3 has to... Let's, let's also not forget that the Washington Redskins' defense is absolutely atrocious. A bit like uh, Cam Newton and the Panthers last year, there's a lot expected of him, and I think so far he's done quite well, but he's you know he can't be expected to do everything. It's true. 12 carries on the ground, 85 yards. Not sure the Skins want him carrying the ball 12 times a game. Um, there was more for necessity. And also, look, he's lost Pierre Garçon, who was acquired in the summer to be a number one target, who looked amazing in week one. He's out at the moment. So let's not get down on it. Tough performance by RG3. His first showing in front of that RFK crowd. AJ Green, career-high performance, 183 yards through the air. He looked a beast. Interesting. Bengals are now 2-1. and one. Going on to the unbeaten teams, we have three teams that remain unbeaten. Quite unpredictable. Two of them are part of the Bird Gang. Two of them are part of the Bird Gang. Atlanta Falcons, 27. San Diego Chargers, 3. In San Diego, the Falcons destroyed the Chargers. The Matt Ryan MVP bandwagon has started up all over again. See, I think you started this, and now I keep... You're the first person I heard mention this, and now I hear, I'm hear i hearing it. But you, you, you can't front. Matt Ryan has the top-rated quarterback in the NFL. He's got the top-receiving tandem in the NFL. Oh, we read that Julio Jones is out, not sure for how long after this game, which is a huge loss for them. But at home, took the charges out. Great performance on the road. Michael Turner, after last week's DUI incident, he did five shots at about five o'clock in the morning and, and um, surprisingly got pulled over. So He's 80 yards, one TD, 5.7 yards on the ground as he returns to play against his former team. Falcons look legit in terms of other unbeaten teams. No one saw this. The Arizona Cardinals, 27 Led by Kevin Cobb, the Philadelphia Eagles, 6, the Cardinals are 3-0. and Who'd have thunk that? Unbelievable, but this was the first game that Larry Fitzgerald actually turned up to play. Um, after this week where he 
was the guest conductor for the Phoenix for the Phoenix Orchestra. He decided to actually play the sport that he's actually paid for this weekend. But let's not also forget that the Cardinals' defense is is incredibly stingy. They've only allowed two t- two TDs in three games this season. All the quarterback controversy in the preseason was just smoke and mirrors because right now Kevin Carver's. He's looking the real deal. 17-24, 222 yards, two TDs. As Inye said, he went to Larry Fitzgerald. Nine grabs, 114 yards, one for a 37-yard TD. Looked like a beast. All you Arizona Cardinals fans out there, yes, we know you went to the Super Bowl. We know there was some fun in the Jake Plummer era. But it's been a long time. Since you've had sustained success. So this is the best start for the franchise since 1974. That's a dozen years before they moved to the desert. Cardinals have also won seven consecutive home games. The longest streak in franchise history. Great special teams. Great defense. Kevin Cobb not making mistakes. Ryan Williams looking good on the grounds. They could challenge the Niners for the NFC West. It's an amazing story. Final unbeaten team we have out there, the Houston Texans. They took on Peyton Manning and his Denver Broncos yesterday in one of the later games. Houston Texans 31, Denver Broncos came back at the end, flattered the score a little bit, 25. Texans now 3-0, and offense looking good. It's almost like Peyton Manning has decided that He'll play like a, a former quarterback of the Denver Broncos as well, just with all these late fourth-quarter comebacks. But somehow he isn't winning these games. He isn't. Matt Schaub looked hot. Apart from almost getting half his ear taken off, Whew. which was which was pretty ill, he threw for four touchdown passes, two big ones to Andre Johnson, who caught two passes for 72 yards. He looked good. Arian Foster, 100 yards on the ground in a weak division. Safe to say, Houston Texan, number one team in the AFC right now. Definitely. I, I do. You mentioned about the, the hit that Matt Schaub uh, took, and I do think at some point we are going to have to talk about the replacement refs. I know that. Let's uh, do it. Come uh, on. <laughs> Come I know on. that we've been avoiding it like cholera, but it has to be, <laughs> it has to be said because right now. Uh, in my past, I did sports law, and and I rarely think about it. But this week, watching the NFL, watching these replacement refs, and it's no fault of their own. They're just not used to to officiating at such a crazy level. It's tough at the top, man. The, it's, now, it's now getting to the point that you're worrying about players' safety. In one of the games that we may be talking about later on, the, the Raiders game, Darius Hayward Bay took an incredibly strong hit that meant that he had to be carted off the field and he spent the night he spent the and night. And also hospital. dropped from our fantasy team. <laughs> and also dropped from our fantasy team. Priorities there. Um also the and there was no flags thrown for that. The Matt Sharp hit, there were no were, no, there were flags thrown for that. Oh yeah. But at the same time I was trying to explain this to um, to a friend earlier on this evening, is that it's not necessarily, you know, they are incredibly inept, and yes, they can potentially blow gains, but referees throwing flags and, and preventing the chippiness from spilling over is what protects players in the long run. And I know that quarterbacks have, re- you know, received a lot more protection in recent years, um, because that's where the NFL is going, but... 
right now the refs are the refs are getting it from all over the place, and I kind of came up with you know a couple of people that kind of reminded me of the refs. Right now, they are the Andre Shevin of of refs. Right now, they're kind of like the Lib Dems of refs. They're also a little bit like the Drake of refs, and at the same time, they're also the Yoga owner of refs. In the sense that they'll be blamed for everything, and half of the time it will be their fault, but the other half of the time they'll just be blamed because they'll be there to be blamed. Drake, Yoko Ono, Andrea Shavin. What's the connection? Now I know. Fantastic. <laughs> Moving on to other teams in the AFC that were considered favourites for the AFC going into this season. Baltimore Ravens, New England Patriots... Very emotional game, this one. Torrey Smith, the excellent young wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens, lost his brother the day before the game. 19 hours before he played. 19 hours before he played. Absolutely lost his brother in a motoring accident. He came in the game. He played for the memory of his brother. It's the best way to do it. Had an astounding game. The Baltimore Ravens, 31 the New England Patriots, 30, come back for last year's AFC Championship game. Different kicker, different result. Justin Tucker, 27-yard field goal as time expired. Gave the Ravens the W. Billy Cundis replacement. Suck up. No, not suck up, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we got a shout-out to uh, Ryan Suckup. He, yeah. uh, he won the game for the Chiefs. Justin Tucker won the game. And Torrey Smith, six receptions, 127 yards, and two TDs. I'll briefly Great tribute to his brother. Those were the highlights of week three. If your team didn't get mentions, if you're in a more exciting game than you're in this week, next week you'll be mentioned, so don't worry. But we've got to go on to the previews of week four. Now, the problem with previewing week four, all these games are so unpredictable, it's now proving to be impossible to predict what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But there's some exciting matches scheduled, that's for sure. Continue with the Thursday game. The old Browns take on the new Browns. The Browns go to the Baltimore Ravens. Always a grudge match, especially for the Browns fans. They always want to get a W there. Pick of the early games. Cam Newton, who's had a few problems this week since he got shellacked by the Giants. Did you see the press conference? I saw it. Eyes closed like you were Stevie Wonder. Yeah. It was. It was. It's sad. I, I was. I was reading that. A quarterback's job does not end at the fourth quarter. The quarterback's job also ends after being interviewed by the media afterwards because he's the leader of the team. He's the focal point. He is. And he's the person that controls the media story for the upcoming week. Yep. So this week we had Cam Newton with his eyes closed press conference after the loss on the Thursday. And then on the Friday and the Saturday we started hearing stories that the Panthers were worried about his mental makeup. And the last time we heard about that from a young quarterback was Vince Young, who was also in the news this week for being broke. So, um, so yeah. How can he be broke? With, Vin- with Vince Young's in Austin. <laughs> the amount of bank that place has taken over. True. Oh, that must be making a packet earning Vince Young's. Shout to Vince Young's. Good stake in there. So the Panthers are going to the Falcons. In a bunch of divisional games that are taking place this week. Fran Tarkenton, uh, sorry, Christian Ponder, has taken his Vikes to the Lions. Should be, again, an exciting divisional game. And again, a battle of the old and the new. The old Houston Oilers are taking on 
the new Houston Oilers, the Tennessee Titans are going <laughs> to the Houston Texans, battling in the early games. Now, I don't know why, actually. This week we had nine early games, which led for absolute pandemonium on the red zone. This week we have seven early games, and then we have five late games. Not sure why that's changed, but... Maybe because of the Thursday night game and who was involved. Maybe because of the Thursday night... Who, who knows? So there's a little bit more of a quality there. The content gets spread around. In the late games, more divisional stuff. Inye's Oakland Raiders go to the Denver Broncos. Oh, we didn't mention the Raiders. Off the hoof, beating the Steelers. Yeah, what was all that about? We're going to make the playoffs now. We're, no. <laughs> we're not like the Saints. Uh, it, was a, it was a really good game. I don't know how. It's more... I'd say it's 50-50... The Steelers collapsing and 50% the Raiders somehow managing to put together a decent drive and also some really good plays on the defense, uh, recovering some fumbles to to put the Raiders in good position to to win. And Janikowski, the the man, the man is unstoppable. He, uh, I don't know whether he's wearing extra medium shirts or he's just a, a very big lad. I don't know if he's still doing dip at this uh, at the same time while playing, but uh, but yeah good win and uh, it's great to get off the mark and it was, a, it was a great day overall for the Raiders so they're taking on Peyton Manning they're going into the backyard of the Broncos which they're never popular well they're never popular anywhere they go and the Giants going into the Eagles Eagles nest that should be another great game that's the late game on Sunday night and Monday night two of probably America's most heavily supported and prestige franchises the Chicago Bears go into Jerry Jones Stadium and How take on the Cowboys the James's Chicago Bears if I'm the if we're outing me as an Oakland Raiders fan we should really out you as a Chicago Bears fan hey I'm not going to front no, I, they're my Chicago Bears okay you know I but I'm a fan of all teams oh, I'm a well, fan of all teams but I'll nail my flag to the master of the Bears any day of the week Adam Goldstein's on after this he's a Chicago Bears fan so um Probably stick up for them a little bit more as well. So, yeah, should be a bananas week for Monday night. Again, the game is on BBC on the red button. It's controversial. You can't Sky Plus it or V Plus it or record it because it's on the red button. Nobody out in social media world seems to like that at all. We sympathise, we empathise, we have no solution. I will say this. I, I don't, like, we don't have any inside information, but... The more people that actually watch it live, i.e. put the telly on, put the red button on and go to bed, the more likely it'll move to, you know, be some later channel. Because Is there I th- any truth in that? I, f- I have to feel that it is. Okay, because but yeah, there is. Yeah, they yeah, can't there is, have yeah. made that commitment without some sort of idea that they've, or, you know, that they're going to at least get a host or someone to... I, I don't even know. I'd rather watch highlights of... of League One football in between the breaks than that really annoying shoddy music. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem, isn't it? When you're watching this stuff at the witching hour and you want to you want to be entertained and the pundits help entertain you and the Channel 4 game you have, Nat and Mike, who do mm-hmm. a great job of that, of entertaining Excellent you job. between the plays and also the interaction. You know, you guys out there that send in your tweets and your emails, that can keep you up and keep you involved and, yeah. and, and, and keep you interacting with the content as well. So, yeah, I think they need that, some voiceover. So, um, so yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's going to happen. So, yeah, Inyo's got the theory. Turn your TV on, leave it on. Let's see if we can get that working. It's time for a guest on this week's North London 40. A very unique guest. This person has travelled 
over 65,000 miles watching 40 NFL games in the space of 18 weeks. That's the sort of fan we're talking about, people. And he's written a book about it. That book is called Tailgate to Heaven. The person's name and the author of Tailgate to Heaven is Adam Goldstein. Adam, how's it going? I'm good. How are you doing? Hey, thanks a lot for coming on the pods. Tailgate to Heaven looks like an incredible story. Can you just take us from the start and break down what it is you've done? In, In 2008, I sold my flat in London. I left my job. I left my girlfriend at home. And I went to see an NFL game every franchise during the regular season. The initial plan was to see the 32 teams and then with London, Canada and being a Bears fan, I I squeezed in actually 36 during the regular season and then a couple more um, after. And in the end, I went to see 40 American football games. And the real the real plan was to try and I didn't have a book you know sponsor or uh, publisher it was really to have a blog and to show people in England just what a good time American football games are I wanted to sort of really look at the difference in culture between each fan base and the and the, the food and really show people in England what tailgating is and how much fun a game is regardless if you like the sport you know the crazy fans the food and all the kind of brouhaha of everything else and I just thought if I did this wacky adventure people might be able to get into the game not through the game if that makes sense and um, I wrote a book about it which was very difficult indeed you know a lot of publishers said no and it was a lot of to and fro in and finally it came out this summer and I've just done a well 50 day book tour across America every NFL city some stadiums as well so I really wanted to use the book tour to echo the original trip and just kind of meet people and be on the road and and kind of keep enjoying myself. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, was that the long answer? People, we've found probably the biggest fan of American football in the UK. He's a Londoner. We always knew that was going to be the case. So that's brilliant. But I think you touched on a great point that I'd like you to expand upon because I'm sure there's lots of our listeners love the NFL, love American football, but maybe the London games apart have been unable to go to the US and watch some of the games. Can you just give us a little bit, you've obviously gone to more games than most in a condensed period of time. Can you just give us some flavor, some detail around the game day experience in America, going to an NFL game? The first thing is that obviously you've got to go early, five, six, seven hours early, which is quite foreign to us as English sports fans. And the, the, the first thing is, is the tailgate. And it's hard to define what a tailgate is. I mean, it pretty much is people driving to the game, bringing their grills, their flat screen, their food, and, and literally sharing their food, parking up to next to a random or another person. And it really is this sort of pre-game experience that's kind of like a I guess a social utopia you're not allowed to sell food at at, at these events and you just kind of connect to other people and before you know it there's two three hundred people partying having a good time and welcoming the away fans which is another different thing you know they welcome away fans there's all different reasons why they do that it's just considered a catalyst for a party and a good time yes people are into the sport and yes people spending a lot of money but not everybody some people go just to like maybe some people with us with Ascot, people are there to have a good time. And that's sort of the the, the big difference. And people were very much left alone to their own devices within the parking lot. 
some some different different times and different laws. But on the whole, people are allowed to just show up, make a fire, grill, cook, drink, have these wonderful sort of set menus. And um, and then obviously inside the game itself, there is a lot more. I would say what I in the book called hoopla, which is a lot more kind of off the field fantasia with the mascots and the cheerleaders and the jumbotron and the interactive stuff. And before you know it, those in England think that the NFL is a long game. Three and a half hours is gone and, and it's all sort of high five in. And it's a very social sport. As I think we get a lot of that with the London game, not so much the Tower Gate, but you know, if people want American football, I, I do think as, as fun as London is, one has to go to America to kind of really, it is an American sport with all of these sort of American trimmings. And I think that's also why I like the sport as well. I think if they did more of that in England, it would probably possibly come across desperate or fake. So I think for the real American football experience, one does have to go to America, but that's okay. They're, they're very hospitable there. So pe- people should definitely go over. I mean, you must have been like a lot of Brits, a regular TV fan. Then you had the opportunity to go to the States and see this. And it actually came alive and just in it, then it enhanced the experience for you. Has, do you feel like it's taken the whole sport to a whole new level in the way oh, that you perceive it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think from my, who's now my fiance, the girlfriend I left behind, I think she initially thought, right, it's a bucket list, tick off the stadium, take pictures, come home, done. But because I met so many good people from each franchise and had a good story from each team, yeah, the, the kind of sport has exploded. And, you know, I, the following year I lived on a, a school bus that was looked like a tiki bar on wheels and cooked English food at some stadiums. I lived as a tailgater. And then this year, obviously, I went back as with the book. And, yeah, it, you know, now I'm actually – I know the games are on and we're doing this interview, The t- you know, so my timings are off. But – Absolutely. I've become more into the sport from the sports side of things, the players, and I've also become much more into the the tailgating side as well. Me, me now getting more into barbecue food, more into all that kind of all the kind of other stuff. And yeah, it's definitely it's definitely going to be a bit of a life changer in that I've made so many good friends. And, and I've been to a few games in the States myself and I've experienced it and I can really relate to what you're talking about but I think it's really hard to conceptualize if you haven't I think that it's worth remembering that fans of NFL teams the catchment areas of these teams are absolutely vast so people Mm. come from hundreds of miles around to experience this and also if this team doesn't get to the playoffs or even if it does get to playoffs and has to play on the road you're only looking at eight home games a season which makes it so much of a fantastic occasion for these people to get together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when people, they hate home games, makes people kind of celebrate it. And it also makes things more of a mystique because not every team plays each other. So if Tom Brady comes to town or Aaron Rodgers, people get sort of very excited. Whereas with the premiership, you know, Rooney's coming, you know, you know, or, you know, every team is going to come your way. And I guess premiership teams can kind of take, or fans can take that for granted. But the flip side is that American football fans, they'll pick one or two road trips or, you know, and really go, right, that we want to see our team play at that stadium. Yep. What is it like? You know, I've seen the Bears play at six or seven stadiums now, and there's my long-term goal to see them play at every one. And a lot of people are like, right, let's do the weekend. And it's not just about the football. If you go Denver, fans will take in because of that distance. They don't just take the train there and come back. They'll take in the whole weekend. 
you know, see what Denver is about. And, and the teams really, for the most part, are kind of a tourist attraction. And that's just a part of people's sort of weekend vacation. And that's really cool. And I think because Britain's a little bit obviously very small, I'm not sure soccer fans do necessarily always. Maybe they do in the Champions League when it's abroad. But I've, I've got a feeling people just go into the game, stay with their own away fans that they go to all the away games with and go home again. And because of the integra- integration of the home and away fan, you know, people can go, what is it like to be at Lambeau Field as a away fan as opposed to going to with all their away friends? Does that make sense? Oh, it does. Uh, I think the nearest comparison you could make for British sports fans to understand this, and admittedly, it's a much higher, high-end example, but is the West Car Park at Twickenham for England Six Nations games? R- yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, a much more upmarket, and, and some of these people have hired their own servants. Well, they look like servants from what I've seen. But that's the example. So if you've seen that at Twickenham, imagine this at a scale times 2,000 with regular people. But instead of bringing in um, butlers with um, <laughs> with um, silver service spreads, they're bringing in portaloos and barbecues and, and flat screen TVs and all this type of stuff. You plan this road trip. The logistics of it sound ridiculous, how you crammed in so many games in, in such a short space of time. How did you go about planning it? How did it all well, How did figure, you figure that out? Well, basically, I figured, I don't know why, I figured I could go, you have the Monday night game, and I figured I could go to any Sunday game that was in a thousand miles of that Monday game. Not quite sure why I plucked a thousand miles, because that's quite a long way. But I figured I could do that. So it was a basically a case of when the, April, when the schedule came out in April 2008 to look at, right, where are these Monday games, where are the Thursday games, and, where the, and then would the Sunday pluck, sort of plug them in next to the Monday games. So and I figured I could drive anywhere in America from a Monday to Thursday and pretty much anywhere from a Thursday to Sunday, although I did pretty much burn out. So the whole thing was driven apart from a couple of flights where I started to burn out, and obviously the London game flew. So that's how I kind of did the logistics. I wasn't able to get two games in one day, like Philadelphia and DC or the Florida team. So, and also the other, the other tricky part was some teams have Monday night or Thursday night twice. I was kind of hoping that they would rotate those 16, 17 games, but some teams prefer prime time and some don't. So as the season went on, I had less and less safety net games. You know, the first few weeks, if I miss a game, which I didn't, but if I was to, I could catch them up at various other places but that net was getting harder because obviously it became in the latter part of the season was three games a week Thursday Sunday Monday and then it was getting colder and that was really difficult this year actually obviously as you probably know the NFL is now doing Thursday night every week so you could actually hit you know depending on how far you drive you could hit like 49 50 games or something like that this year in terms of you know the Thursday Sunday Monday but the logistics were ambitious and I did burn out and start to burn out. But I wanted to drive because I thought it was the tailgate thing to do and I was able to get out of the city and in. The only downside of the trip really was that some cities I weren't able to spend that much time in. It was literally there for the Sunday night, drive a thousand miles to get to the Monday night game and then etc. etc. So if I could have a little bit more time with the, some of the fans and a bit more time with some of the cities would have been would have been great. But you know what? You, you can't have it all. So 
I love a road trip. You obviously do. You've gone to extremes on that. Been on some brilliant road trips this summer. Shout out to my friends uh, Rob and Robin. We've been on a few of those this summer to a few festivals and the like. It seems to me that the, the key to a good road trip is the music. The music you've got in the car. Did you have yourself, when you got to California, were you pumping out the Beach Boys and the Birds? When you got, <laughs> when you got to Florida, were you putting out, I don't know, Casey and the Sunshine Band? What, did that help you? Did that inspire you? Was that part of your selection? No, no. That's a good idea, though. I mean, I started off listening to a lot of sports radio and each city trying to find, but it got a bit crackly. Um, I probably should have looked at the sort of local music. I'm, I'm big into um, drum and bass, and I kind of pretty much just had that on sort of all, all the time or a lot of the time there were a few local ba- people gave me some cds actually to to check out the postal service and some other stuff but for the most part it was it was my own music that i took out but a lot of people have said to me like how were you able to drive you know eight eight hundred miles a day just you in the road on the road and i don't know having music was important but it it didn't really phase me i guess because either the adrenaline or I just knew I had so much on my mind, right? Where am I getting tickets and where am I getting to get, uh, when we're going to stay? Who do I know who I can stay with? Whether I was not able to write them down at the time, but just, I guess I looked a little bit crazy in the car, but just kind of going through those ideas, right? I've got to do this, this, this. Can I do that? And that kind of just kept me going for the most part. So I didn't, I would have liked to have uh, explored a bit more of the local, the local music or the local scenes in some of the places. So, don't spoil what's in the book, and if, the, and, if, and if there's a big spoiler at the end of it, don't talk about it, because it's a great read that we want listeners to obviously go and check out, but there was one set of fans, or one NFL experience that you took part in over the trip, what would be your number one recommendation for the Brits, that, that if you're going to go to a game, go to this stadium or these fans, what would be your number one? Well, I'd, it's a good question. I'd probably go with, well, I'll give you a top three, and it's not really a spoiler, I don't think. Certainly, and I was just there the other week to see the Bears get thrashed, certainly Lambeau Field at Green Bay. They were probably the nicest people you'll meet. Love their football, love cooking for people. Love killing the Bears. Love killing the Bears. On the whole, they're an older crowd, and not as party or crazy as drinky. Well, they are probably drinky, but they're not as... uh, in that quite as lively but they're a very very warm group and you know it just felt like football but then again I didn't go in December when it was freezing cold so and then I would say and the other two are, are, I would say Oakland Raiders and the Houston Texans that's not to say they weren't better than the others but I just think that they both people aren't don't expect that and Houston blew me away I mean everything the stadium's amazing the vibe is amazing the tailgate is excellent and it's it's Texas, so you can expect big things. But because they're a, you know a new new team, I I wasn't expecting a lot, and they really blew me away, and they've been very close to me ever since. And they really, if you get to the right, I mean, obviously there were bad tailgaters everywhere and good ones, and how easy are they to find? And I managed to find very good ones very quickly. And the last one was Oakland Raiders for similar reasons. Yeah, you know, everybody said to me, "Don't go to Oakland, you'll get shot. It's horrible. Don't go as an away fan." What? Maybe I just happened to find the lucky tailgaters that were brilliant to me. But I went just recently in the preseason with my fiance, and we had a blast, and it was great. The stadium itself and the atmosphere, maybe not as much as Pittsburgh or Green Bay or Chicago 
or some of the more popular teams. But the Towgate, you you can't go wrong with those three. So you heard it, people. If you planning on going to the States and you have some sort of neutrality around the teams that you want to see and you're looking for um, what are the top destinations I can go to and see a game, Adam, this is someone that knows it probably more than anyone. There's a few recommendations for you. Mm-hmm. The book's out. It's called Tailgate to Heaven. Can you tell people where they can get it from? Obviously, it's on Amazon and it's on as a hardback and it's on Kindle as well. It's available at Waterstones, although I think that's going to start to pick up how many copies they have this. It's at Waterstones, WH uh, Smith shortly. I have a, a whole bunch of books because I just did this wonderful book tour where I was kind of, I bought them in theory off the publishers myself and have ex, have obviously books here for myself. And that and that's why I'm um, doing two book signings. Well, I'm doing a few book signings here in the UK, one at Waterstones in Uxbridge in West London. I'm also doing the Wembley game where the Patriots and Rams are playing. I'm going to be at the Green Man Pub, which is not too far from the stadium. And there's, there's every year there's a big group of NFL fans that, that sort of hang out, drink, eat. So I'm going to be doing a signing on game day there. I'm also the next day I'm at Uxbridge, and I'm also doing a signing on Thanksgiving Day, 22nd November, at the number one sports bar in uh, Moorgate in, in East London in the city. Uh, I might do some more impromptu um, book signings. The book signings I was doing in the States were either at Towgates and sports bars, not actually bookshops. So I actually took my own set of copies. So I've got quite a lot of copies. People have, can get in touch with me if they want. Um, they can find my email on tailgatetoheaven.com. If people are passing through and they want a copy, I'll sign them one. Uh, otherwise, yeah, Amazon and Waterstones are probably the best two places. And you on Twitter as well? Can people hit you up on Twitter? Yeah, by all means, yeah. I'm called at Tailgate Knight, and that's actually my super fan name. I'm not sure if you're aware. There's the Pro Football Ultimate Fan Association, PFUFA, and they're a group, and they're basically, I don't know if you've seen on TV, you know the super vans that they dress up with the face paint and all the rest of it? They're all in a group, and I was nominated a few years ago, and actually this summer I just did a speech at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and I was Whoa. sort of voted in. So, yeah, and that, so my, my, my super fan name is the Towgate Knight. And that's where I sort of, I'm in this super fan group, which is very cool. I'm really proud, really pleased to be part of that as well. You heard it, people. The boy's done good. He's gone <laughs> to the source and been accepted in Canton. He has a bust there, so to speak of. Good work, fella. Excellent, Thank you. excellent Cheers. work. So you heard it. So you will see Adam at all sorts of media events across the next few months. He'll be at the Thanksgiving party, as will we in Morgate on Thanksgiving. Inye and myself will be there in the place. So come and say all right to Adam and come and say all right to us and, and get yourself a book sign. Tailgate to Heaven. Brilliant read. Brilliant idea. Check it out. Really recommend it from you. Definitely. Adam want to yep. take the opportunity to say thank you for coming on our podcast. You're an example to all of us Brits out there that watch this amazing sport on a weekly basis in our living rooms to say, well, look, this is how you can get out there and make it happen. So we think you're potentially the biggest fan of the NFL in the UK. <laughs> we may have some people tweeting in and writing in and saying otherwise. We shall see. We just want to say thanks for coming on North London 40. We really appreciate it. Can't wait to see you in person and just love what you've done and just keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. Cheers. Cheers.
So, that was Adam Goldstein. Go buy his book, people. Please do. Tailgate to Heaven, out in all goods, e-retailers as we speak. That was week three. We'll see you in week four at NLDN40 on Twitter, northlondon40 at gmail.com, nldn40.tumblr. Remember, send your tweets in, send your emails in, send your shouts in, send your throwback jersey pictures in. Please do. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Take care.